Welcome to Hogue MD, a new medical podcast by physicians for physicians. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Hogue MD podcast, where we'll dive deep into the backgrounds of the talented physicians being recruited to Orange County and the groundbreaking clinical work being done at the highest ranked hospital in Orange County. Our guest today is Dr. Pavel Jankowski. He is a board certified neurosurgeon and fellowship trained spine surgeon with an expertise in scoliosis at the Hogue Spine Center. He's also a member of the Scoliosis Research Society. Dr. Jankowski is a leading innovator. He is a top surgeon in California using the 7D surgical flash navigation system. That is a radiation-free alternative to image-guided surgery. Dr. Jankowski attended medical school at the University of Washington School of Medicine. He did his neurosurgery residency at the University of California, San Diego, and a spine fellowship at NYU Langone Hospital for joint diseases. Dr. Jankowski's areas of expertise include scoliosis, revision spine surgery, and complex spine disease. He was instrumental in developing an extensive assessment for scoliosis, which he'll tell us more about later today. Dr. Jankowski, with that introduction, welcome to the Hogue MD Podcast. Pleasure to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so for our physicians listening, um, more and more attention is being paid to adult degenerative scoliosis. So what can physicians look for if they suspect their patients might have this condition? Yeah, the primary symptom that patients with adult degenerative scoliosis exhibit is pain. And we, uh, we have um, in our population patients that have what's called a de novo, meaning that they have developed this without any prior history of spine intervention, which uh, includes spine surgery, pain injections, or other types of conservative measures. And we have patients also that have undergone previous surgery and have developed um, this condition. So when patients typically present to a primary care setting, it is in the context of pain. And that pain then can be broken down further into something that exhibits a radicular pattern, meaning a particular traveling along a particular nerve root distribution. It can result also in um, lack, loss of sensation, or it can present with an electric-like pain. However, there can also just be a generalized pain. And these type of patients sometimes are the most difficult to treat since the pain is many times nonspecific, cannot be localized to one particular region, and is also very hard to diagnose without the proper imaging and uh, also corroboration with the patient's history. So when, what I have, when I have a discussion with primary uh, care physicians that when they encounter a patient like this, is to first uh, go through the regular steps that one would in assessing this patient, get the um, imaging, which is usually um, an MRI, and then at that point make the referral either to um, a spine specialist or a pain management specialist uh, for further workup and also to uh, explore the options of uh, physical therapy, which can't be understated. I'm excited to talk to you about this assessment. So what do physicians need to know about the development of a patient-centric assessment for scoliosis? So I think for a patient-centric assessment for scoliosis, this is best handled by people who uh, treat scoliosis. And I think that this is uh, too too much getting in the weeds um, for a person in a busy primary care setting, since this involves pulling in a lot of information about a patient and also um, assessing, again, the patient's past medical, surgical history, function, over time. And again, our primary care physicians are uh, incredibly busy. They are amazing. They handle so many different types of um, pathologies throughout the course of a day. So really it's, you know, they're the gatekeepers. And when they encounter a patient like this, they go through the proper mechanisms and then they can send the patient on to um, my office 
or other type of specialists where we can then take it from there. Speaking of gatekeeping, we, you know, we mentioned in your intro, you're an innovator in the space. What advice do you have for other doctors who are assessing new technologies and new devices to really determine if they are appropriate for treatment? I think um, it's, it's hard for me to um, say that I have advice because <laughs> each of us have believed very firmly in, in what we're doing is the best way and mm -hmm. the only way. So what I can I can only tell you what I do, and um, the way that I handle this situation is that I look at if the technology or device is going to truly improve the outcome for my patients. And by outcome, I mean improvement in the quality of life, improvement in the level of pain, return to activities that the patient wasn't able to do prior to coming into my office. So if that technology meets those criteria, then it's something that, that I become interested in adopting. Have there been a lot of advancements in treatment, let's say over the last 20 years, where a primary care physician might think back to how it was previously treated and maybe the information isn't out there of what is available today? Yeah, I think we still have you know a lot of catching up to do. And also, that's why it's great that we have this discussion here, because you know, in our independent practices and specialties as physicians, we stay in our silos and we don't interact mm -hmm. um, enough. And what typically used to qualify as back pain used to, you know, had number one is sort of an umbrella-like um, stigma on the patient. And it wasn't particularly the most interesting patient for primary care physicians right. to treat. Um, and so we have the biggest advancements in the field of um, adult degenerative scoliosis and complex spine disorders have been in how we assess patients and how we also prepare and plan for surgeries. A lot of the technologies and implants have also advanced, but gaining the understanding of how to best treat a patient in order to get the best outcome and improve their quality of life, I feel has been the biggest advancement. And unfortunately, we have been poor in communicating those advancements to our primary care colleagues. However, I think that that's something that I'm very keen here at Hoke to work on, on improving those relations and communication. And it's something that over time, hopefully through the societies and also at the community level between particular centers, we'll get better at. Let's talk about Hoke for a minute. How is Hoge shaping the future of back surgery? In the best way possible is, the, <laughs> is uh, how I would answer that. So I think uh, at w what I've seen ever since I came to Hogue is that you have a leadership team that is very much interested in improving patients' quality of life. And that's, it starts really always from the leadership standpoint. The next thing is the resources. Hogue has the most resources um, in Orange County out of any of the hospital facilities to devote to that. And then it goes further down to the staff that care for the patients when they're in there in the hospital. We have absolutely fantastic nurses from the moment that a patient you know, walks in and they're greeted in the hospital to the time where they make their way to where their destination being the operating room or a ward for what they're being treated for. And also, Hogue has been instrumental in conducting clinical trials. Um, they have a very active research department, which we are only looking to um, empower and improve upon. So all of those ingredients uh, make us, I think, a top-notch center for caring for people. I love getting a reaction to, you know, when I ask you a question about your patient outcomes and, you know, you get to fix people and get them back to everyday life and those are big wins. What are some wins in your space within the medical community? Is it seeing a new device or a new treatment that you can all rally around? I'm just curious as to what the wins are within your community. I think the wins are is when we see, again, going back to the outcomes, 
devices and developments of technology are excellent, but again, they have to be implemented and there isn't a one size shoe that fits all. And so proper application of these new technologies is critical to get the best for a given patient. And we have what we see that we get very excited about is when we see that a implementation of a particular technology for a particular spine disease improves patients' quality of life, restores them faster to function. So and a, a simple example of this um, that's come along, it's, it's, it's not really even recent anymore, but in the past uh, 20, 30 plus years has been disc arthroplasties. And when we um, were able to do the studies and show how these people could return to play or return to activities faster than patients who have gone, undergone arthrodesis, that was something that was very exciting. Again, though, it has to be applied properly, and uh, patients, sometimes when they read things uh, in a general setting or online, have to be properly instructed. And um, not everybody is a candidate for all of these new technologies and devices, and it's up to us as the treating uh, physician and surgeons to direct our patients accordingly. So you touched on this a little bit uh, throughout this discussion, but how do you work with referring physicians to care for your shared patients? So I think the most critical part is the communication, is that it starts with uh, when, a phys- when a patient is referred. Many of the times I know the referring uh, providers, and I can reach out and ask questions um, if something is either uh, missing uh, from the medical record or if I want to explore this further. And then the next step is when we're getting set up to actually undergo a form of treatment, especially in this case surgical, is the communication to prepare the patient accordingly. And I always look, to me that communication, why it's so important is that the preparation phase for a surgery is incredibly important, especially in the uh, surgeries that I do since um, they're typically longer, they're more taxing on the patient's body, and so you want to always make sure, just like when you're setting off for a long, large, long trip, is that you've packed and you've prepared accordingly. So you, you're not surprised by anything when you get there. And it's that discussion uh, that I have with the referring providers that makes it um, so rewarding is that you really feel that you know everybody is on board and part of that team caring for that patient. It's a great analogy there, planning for the trip. So for those physicians out there listening, that how would you recommend that physician reach out to you if they do have questions or they do want to refer a patient to you? Yeah, the best way is to reach the Hoag Spine Center, uh, and the number is 949-764-1411. All right. You've been listening to Dr. Pavel Jankowski. He is a board-certified neurosurgeon and scoliosis expert at the Hoag Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute. I want to thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you so much. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Hogue MD Podcast. Thanks so much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Hogue MD. If you haven't already, please remember to like, comment, and review. And subscribe to catch all our future episodes.